everybody. It's great to see you here today. And uh, I want to give you just a heads up. The young man in that video, Josh, you've seen him quite a bit on these videos. He left on Friday to start his freshman year at Ozark Christian College. And so be praying for him. Absolutely. Just a great young man, and we have big, you know, high hopes for him, and he's going to go study youth ministry. He wants to be a youth pastor, and so just be remembering him in your prayers, and as he heads off on this new adventure. Also, they had mentioned uh, something in the announcement video about our Discover New Life class that's coming up today, and if this is like new information for you, or you're, you're brand new here, and you're like, oh, what is that all about? I just want to, you know, you can still come to that today. We've got plenty of room. Lunch is provided. It's going to meet right out in the atrium and it's going to be at noon. And if you would like to be a part of that today, uh, learn more about our church, what makes us tick, you know, meet some of our leaders. I'm leading the class and, and uh, we'd love to connect with you and just talk about our church. And maybe you're interested in joining the membership here or getting plugged in. All of those things. If, if you have any interest in that at all, we'd love for you to join us today at Discover New Life at noon and just go on your app and sign up or you can even catch me after the service and say, hey, sign me up. I'll be there. We'll get you signed up and we'd love for you to join us. Well, as I was saying a second ago, welcome to New Life. If this is your first time with us today, man, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. This is now our third weekend back together since regathering, and uh, I'm really pleased that we had to add another service, and I'm really pleased that there are lots of people here at 8.30. I wasn't sure if anybody was going to show up, but you proved me wrong. I like it when you do that, but welcome, welcome here today. We are in a series, as many of you know, that we're just calling COVID in the Christian, and we've been spending a lot of our time together in the book of 1 Peter these past few weeks, and we've been trying to answer this one question in a very biblical way. And the question is this, how should we as Christians be living out our faith in this monumentous time in history? And I hope you see this as a very monumentous time in history because everybody I talk to can't think of any other time in their lives, regardless of their age, when we have lived through something like this. That's what makes it monumentous. It's unique. I don't believe it'll always be like this. But how is the Lord calling us to live out our faith in the middle of this very historic, very trying time in many of our lives? And I think 1 Peter is a great book to help teach us and give us guidance and to help answer questions, um, answer this question. And so I call 1 Peter, and I've, I've said this many times, but if you're first time, I call 1 Peter kind of this way. I call it the Christian's Guide to enduring COVID with your faith intact. That's what 1 Peter helps us do. Now, just a quick reminder, just to help give you some context, Peter wrote his letter to Christians, a, a bunch of Christians who were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. And he wrote this to encourage them and to teach them on how to endure and to thrive during the most difficult of days in their life. It's like, First Peter helps us answer the question of how do we walk faithfully with God even when our environment turns hostile to that? How do you bring glory to God when times are strange and tough, kind of like what we're living in right now? And of course, there's no mention of a virus outbreak in the book of First Peter, but the teaching and the application, it fits just the same. And I think it would be wise for us to take the words of Scripture to heart all the time. But when you're in seasons of difficulty, I think God's word rings especially true and especially helpful. 
Please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. That's where we're going to be spending a few moments together today. 1 Peter chapter 4. And while you're finding 1 Peter chapter 4, let me show you a picture on the screen behind me. And let me ask you a question about it. If you were driving down the street and you saw this guy holding this sign with the words, the end is near. Now take a good look at this guy. If you were driving down the street and you saw this, what would your reaction be to it? What would you say? What would you be thinking? Go ahead. You can shout it out, mate. What do you think? Crazy. Okay. Crazy. All right. You'd probably be thinking things like this. There goes the weirdo, or at least unless that's what I usually say about stuff like that. That's something strange. Somebody might think, what's that guy smoking? Did you ever think that? Well, what's he on? Maybe you just say, I heard the word crazy. I, you know, maybe, maybe you would say, no, there's a guy who's probably not all there. Oddly enough, and maybe you said it, but I didn't hear it. But did anybody or any of you think to yourself or say, well, that's true. Because that's what the Bible says. Did anybody have that reaction to this sign? Because this right here, what he says on this sign, this is exactly what Peter wrote to the church in 1 Peter 4, 7. Do you have it open in front of you? This is what it says. The end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. Now, I don't think the crazy looking guy in that picture when he made that sign was thinking about 1 Peter 4, 7. Honestly, I don't know what he was thinking, but it probably wasn't 1 Peter 4, 7. However, whether he meant it or not, his sign is actually consistent with the word of God. The end of all things is near. Here's a question for you. Why on earth would Peter want the recipients of this letter to know that? Why do you think Peter thought it was important to let these, these Christians know that, hey, the end of all things is near? Well, you know, for me, when I study God's word, I try to climb into the shoes of the people who originally received different teaching in the scripture. I try to see it from, through their lens. And I think if I was one of those persecuted recipients back in the first century who was struggling every day to live out my life for Jesus, this might be welcome news, to be quite honest with you. It actually might be quite, quite welcome. I mean, this, the suffering, the ridicule, always trying to take the high road, uh, trying to, to submit to governing authorities and try to shine light on Jesus and try to always do the right thing and put the Lord in the right light. I think some counsel from one of my mentors like Peter who walked with Jesus, who were to say to me, hey, this isn't gonna last forever, I would think that would be somewhat welcomed news. I definitely think Peter is trying to encourage them to stay the course. It's like, I know life is challenging. Don't lose sight of what's going on. This won't last forever. Jesus is gonna come back again. This is gonna end one day. The devil is gonna get what's coming to him and we'll be free forever. I think that would be some welcome news. But can I point something out to you that maybe you've already thought about? Peter said this nearly 2,000 years ago. The end of all things is near. I got a question for you. Do you still believe him? Do you believe still to this day that the end of all things is near? Do you think that most Christians today still believe that the end of all things is near? That, that Jesus could come back at any moment and this will all end. I'm gonna share with you my opinion and I'm gonna admit here when I share it with you that my opinion is going to sound contradictory, okay? Okay. 
I'm going to sound like I'm going to contradict myself. That's why I'm pointing it out to you so you don't say, oh, he sounds contradictory. I know it does. Here's my opinion. I believe that most Christians believe without any hesitation at all that the end is near. I do, I do believe that just about every Christian would say, yeah, I believe that. But most of the time, Christians don't really act like it. Most of the time, we're pretty nonchalant about Peter's words here. We believe it, but we just don't think about it. We believe it, but we really don't live our lives like it's about to come true. The end of all things is near, is what Peter said. I don't think that Peter is trying to turn the church into a bunch of doomsday preppers, do you? Have you ever seen that show? I mean, I don't even know if it's on anymore, but I watched a couple episodes of this show one time called Doomsday Preppers, and it blew my mind because I didn't know people like this actually existed. How many of you have ever seen that show? Okay, it's a crazy show. It's a show about people who go to extreme measures to be prepared for the end of the world. These are people who believe that the world could end at any moment through some catastrophic event or through, you know, you know something that's going to catch people off guard for sure. And they want to be the ones that are prepared to deal with it. And so in this show, many of them build like these survival bunkers. They load up on food, years worth of food and different supplies to prepare for what they believe is the inevitable end. Now, whether that will come from a nuclear war or some asteroid slamming into the earth or some alien attack or some sort of global warming or solar flares or some worldwide pandemic that doesn't seem so strange anymore, whatever it is, they're gonna be ready for it. The most extreme doomsday prepper lives every day of their lives. They wake up every day expecting the end of the world and being prepared for it. I am confident that that is not what Peter's trying to turn the church into. I don't think his teaching should be translated or understood that we need to go out and build bunkers in our backyard. Besides, POA would never allow it. So... But I do think that Peter is challenging the church to have this, a constant heightened sense of awareness of the unavoidable truth that all of this is gonna come to an end one day. I think that's exactly what Peter is trying to get the church to see. So church, we take that and, 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 and even filter it through what we're living through today. And we know this isn't gonna last forever. And I don't wanna lose this sense of awareness that the end could come at any moment. The end is actually near. And I need to live my life with that perspective. The end is near. And then he instructs them exactly how to prepare for it. Look at verse four, seven again, chapter four, verse seven. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore... So that word therefore connects one thought to the other. The statement is the end of all things is, is near. So because of that, therefore, this is what you need to do. Be alert and, sober mind, and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. 
offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. So I didn't read anything about building bunkers or stocking up on food and water and supplies. I didn't read that in there. I read something else. How do we prepare for the end? He goes on to say, if anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I'll tell you, Peter is communicating a very significant message to the church, and here's what it is. He is telling them, you need to live your life with the end in mind. And just think about that. Live your life with the end in mind. Now, if you were with us through our study through the book of Revelation a few weeks ago, actually we spent 13 weeks in the book of Revelation, we learned some very significant things, didn't we? Some universal things about the Lord. One of those is that Jesus can come back in any moment. Nobody knows when, but it was very clear in Revelation. It can happen at any moment. We also saw that death could happen at any moment. There is not a single person on this planet who is guaranteed one more hour of life. Jesus could come back before the end of this service today. We're not guaranteed 10 more breaths. Death could come at any moment. Peter challenges these Christians, you live with the end in mind. Live knowing judgment is in our future. Don't ever live one day without that on your mind. And as I read this text, if I was gonna like summarize these verses, in verse four through, or seven through 11, what is it exactly what Peter is trying to communicate? I would summarize it in this one key truth. And that's this, living with the end in mind. Living knowing that the end could happen in mind. Living knowing that the end is near and living with that expectation. Living with the end in mind leads to a fuller and holier life. It's true. Living with the end in mind leads to a fuller and holier life. Now, as you walk down through these verses like we just did, I think Peter is actually highlighting four specific areas of our lives that actually have the potential to get much better and to make your life more full uh, because you live with the end in, the, in mind. And the first thing that he points out to us is that when you live with the end in mind, your prayer life is gonna improve. If you live every day with the end in mind, your prayer life is gonna improve. In fact, I would say, if you live with the end in mind, you're never gonna run out of things to pray for. I tell you, as long as we know people who aren't ready for the end, you'll never lose, any, you'll never lose sight of what you're supposed to pray for. Now, it says in verse seven again, look, the end of all things is near. Therefore, what are we to do? Be alert and of sober mind so that you can Pray. Pray. That's what it helps us do. We're armed with this truth. The end can come so you can pray. Let me ask you, are you dialed into this today? Are you living your life alert, aware, sober-minded? Just means alert, clear, paying attention. Are you dialed into this truth when you pray? It's really interesting. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 25 this really significant parable. 
And he was teaching them about the end of time. He was teaching them about his return and what it would be be like. And and this parable is known as the parable of the ten virgins. And if you're familiar with it, the the story is quite simple. Jesus said that there were these ten virgins and they were waiting for the groom. And and they were going to have to wait a good long while. And about five of them, they were prepared for this moment. The other five were not prepared for this moment. Now, of course, the, the, the connection Jesus is making is, is that the world, some will be ready and some won't. And so it carried on late into the night and everybody falls asleep. And then the announcement comes, the bridegroom is here. And they all wake up, ready for the party. And they all try to tune in their lamps and light them up. Five of them had enough oil to light them up, but the other five did not. They'd run out. And so the five who didn't have the oil, they said to the five who did, give us some of your oil so we can also have light. And the five said, no, we can't do it or we're gonna run out. You go into town and buy some. And so they go away. And while they're away, took them a long time, the groom comes and the five who were ready went. And then later the five who weren't came back, said, now we're ready. And they got the door shut in their face. Sorry, you weren't ready for this monumentous moment. Of course, in the parable, the the, the bridegroom is Jesus, and these ladies, they represent you and me who are living our lives with the end in mind, mentally, spiritually alert, ready for the day when Jesus comes again. This is the kind of mental alertness that is necessary so you can pray. And your prayer life will improve when you live with the end in mind. The second thing he points out to us is about love. It's like when you live with the end in mind, you're gonna be able to love more deeply. Look at verse eight. He says, above all, love each other deeply. You might even say, this is like the M, you know, the, the, the MPB, the most valuable attribute, the MVA of all of them. Above all, above everything. Love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. And again, let's climb into the shoes of the original recipients. What are they living through? They're living through a very traumatic season of their lives. They are being persecuted. They found comfort in the fact that God is gonna make everything right one day. And until then, they need to be mentally alert, sober mind, prayerful. And then he says, you gotta love each other. Gotta love each other. I would imagine they're no different than us, that they would have to work very hard to love one another, especially in a season of great stress and and hardships. That's what they're living under. Nothing would test a relationship, and I would say nothing tests a congregation's unity like stress and hard times does. So Peter encouraged them to love one another, and it takes great effort to do this. It takes great work. It takes you know, all kinds of things to love somebody deeply, especially when persecution's in the air. Can I ask you a question? What do you think? Do you think the coronavirus has tested your love for people? This hard season that we're going through, do you think that it has tested your love for people, especially your love for other believers? I think we'd all agree this virus has certainly created some difficult and stressful times for all of us, 
but I think it has challenged the church to love more deeply. Here's how. This command to love each other deeply, it extends to those who even have differing convictions than you about this virus. Are you having a little hard time loving somebody who thinks differently about all this? This command to love each other deeply, it extends even to those in the church who might have differing opinions and points of view about the government's directives and applications of our laws. You know anybody that thinks differently than you. Are you having trouble finding love in your heart for that person? The command to love each other deeply, it extends to those in the church who make you angry by what they post on social media. Those brothers and sisters in Christ were commanded to love even if they feel differently and are very vocal about things like wearing a mask and whether kids should go back to school or not this fall. Command to love each other deeply. It extends to people who see things completely differently than us. The command to love each other deeply applies even to those who might just pull the lever on November 3rd for the other guy. You see, when Christians can love deeply, even when life is messed up and stressed out and difficult, Peter says that that kind of love covers over a multitude of sins. How does that work? What exactly does he mean by that? You see, here's what it means. When you can love others deeply, it is a sure sign that you have put away your own sinful behaviors. It means you've put away gossip and you've put away malice and you've put away slander and you've put away lying and you've put away jealousy and you've put away hate and revenge. And in that, your deep love covers, it will cover over a multitude of sins that want to have the limelight in your life during this extremely difficult season. Sins that would love to win the day, but they can't because your love for others that comes from your love for God, it covers over those things. Jesus said this, very familiar. He said, everyone will know you're my disciples. How? If you love one another. I love what Warren Wiersbe wrote one time. He said, love is the badge of every believer in the world. When you love deeply, you have risen above this sinful world and how the world reacts in hate. You have put the spotlight on Jesus and that, my friends, is what truly covers over a multitude of sins. When you live with the end in mind, you're gonna pray better. Your prayer life will be enriched. When you live with the end in mind, I think you're gonna be in a position to love more deeply. When you live with the end in mind, Peter says it has, you know, you're gonna be more hospitable. Look, look at verse nine. What does he say? He said, as you prepare for the end, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Do you realize the church was built on hospitality? When you go back and read the book of Acts and the beginnings of the church, the whole thing was built on hospitality. Christians taking care of one another, loving one another. When Jesus sent his 12 disciples out in Matthew 10, he sent them out two by two. Jesus said, when you enter a new town, find a hospitable person there. And if you can find them, let your peace fall on their house. Over the years, I have personally been on the receiving end 
of some incredible hospitality. And whether it be somebody opening up their home to me or going the extra mile for me, I tell you, when somebody offers hospitality for you, if you've ever been on the receiving end of that, there's nothing that can make you feel loved and cared for like somebody's hospitable spirit. Even right here at New Life, I've seen so many examples of hospitality. Even great examples of hospitality right here um, on the weekends when we come to worship. I've seen so many people just lovingly welcome new people that have never been here before and, and a constant thing that I hear all the time from our newer folks is that, man, I just felt so welcomed and so loved when I got here, it felt like home. And there's a spirit of hospitality. And but I'll tell you, when you live with the end in mind, there is a hospitable spirit that wants to come out because you're really focused on the bigger pictures. When you're focused on the things that are really important, these other things come out. The Holy Spirit brings these other things out. Finally, when you live with the end in mind, then you're really ready to exercise your spiritual gifts. Look, look at verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. What gifts is he talking about? So when we become a believer, the Lord's, the, the Spirit of God really dwells in us. And that gives us a special gifting to do something. There's a variety of gifts. And we're given those for what purpose? You have received them to serve others. The other parts of the Bible talk about to build up the church. And there's all kinds of things that come from our spiritual gifts. But he says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, if anyone speaks, they should do it as the one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Friends, I tell you, I think if Peter was standing right here, he would just simply say, folks, live with the end in mind. Because when you do, it's gonna enable you to pray better. It's gonna enable you to love deeper. It's gonna help you be more hospitable in the name of Jesus. And it's gonna enable you to serve with a true passion that comes from a gift from God. Why would we want any of those things? Because the end is near. And since the end is near, why would we want anything else? Friends, these are challenging days we're living in, aren't they? I think we'd all agree. But I think challenging days become perfect days to let your light shine for the Lord. Let's be prayer warriors. Let's love each other deeply. Let's be hospitable people. And let's serve with everything that God put in us to serve. And let's let the glory of God rain down on this place. Let me pray for you. Dear God, I just give you great thanks today for your inspired words that you gave to Peter. And I pray, Lord, that we can take him to heart. And I pray, Lord, that we would be a church that lives every single day with the end in mind. That, Lord, no, we don't wanna be doomsday preppers. But we wanna be alert. We wanna be clear-minded we wanna be tuned in to what your master plan is for our lives. And Lord, even if we don't know all the details, we do know this, that you're coming back. So Lord, help us to wake up every day with great expectancy of how we can serve you, Lord, better, how we can love deeply, how we can be the kind of people that are hospitable to others, and how we can pray and speed that day coming. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.